Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is your host, Mike Delisio, and I am joined with Sebastian Dennison, my co-host, Seb, I know we are continuing to record remotely. We make that statement every single time, especially for those that might not be uh, accustomed to our sound quality. We hope that this improves shortly. It's, it's gone rather smoothly since the beginning of the pandemic, um, but I believe I would probably make the statement this might be one of our last episodes that we have to record remotely. So thanks for joining in. It's, it's fantastic to be back. I, I kind of have to give a shout out to our, our amazing AV team that's been doing such a great job of making sure this goes so seamlessly. So Quinton and Jason, thank you. Yeah, and I'd, I'd make the statement to thank you to all of our listeners out there. We've, we've seen a, a dramatic increase in, in, in our audience, specifically um, given the COVID-19 situation and how it's been unfolding. It's been amazing to see that we have new listeners and people engaged. But most, most importantly, I want to thank our guests. Uh, we've had the opportunity to welcome some amazing industry leaders and some very important individuals on behalf of PCCA to participate in some of these podcasts. And today, it's a perfect segue into my introduction, um, given that we have the Chief Executive Officer with the Alliance of Pharmacy Compounding, and that's Mr. Scott Bruner. So, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm uh, glad to be here. It's definitely a pleasure and an honor to have you with us specifically because of our relationship with PCCA and APC. Uh, And for some of our listeners out there, and for those that are newer in the compounding space, um, the Alliance of uh, Pharmacy Compounding is a a newer acronym by APC and formerly known as the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists. I always make the joke that our, our small market, our niche market has a lot of acronyms. We've had the opportunity to sit down with the CEO of NCPA, and now we're sitting down with the CEO of APC. And so, Scott, maybe you can kind of interact with our listeners a bit more and give them a bit more understanding as, you know, how did the organization rename itself? You've been around for such a long time, such an an integral part of advocacy, uh, not only in Washington, but for what compounding pharmacists do in the country and potentially worldwide as well. So you've been with the organization for about a year and a half, and maybe you can give our listeners out there a bit more of what happened with you? How did you embark in this new journey? And, and how did the renaming process happen uh, to be recognized as a, a, the Alliance of Pharmacy Compounding? Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to talk about that. Uh, as for me, I am a career uh, trade association executive. For over 30 years, I've worked um, with 503 uh, uh, C6, uh, 501C6 trade associations. Uh, I've been in the pharmacy space since uh, 2013, uh, came from the Georgia Pharmacy Association, and then uh, had a stint with uh, the National Community Pharmacist Association and joined the APC team uh, last March, March of 2019, uh, when we were still IACP. We have really um, executed an, uh, an organizational pivot, a revitalization uh, of what was then IACP over the past uh, year and a half. Uh, the name is, uh, the new name is not the half of it. We are now the 
uh, Academy for uh, Pharmacy Compounding, uh, I have to tell you, you talked about the acronym. We, we spent a good deal of time uh, trying to avoid names that would give us acronyms that already existed in the pharmacy space or that just didn't sound quite right. And uh, we, we, we came up with uh, APC and uh, it, works, uh, it, it works well for us. Uh, the new name is really about a new vision for the organization. We have been an organization that had international in our name and we did have international members and still do and we welcome them. But we only have probably fewer than 30 international members. So we weren't truly an international organization. Our focus in terms of advocacy was not on international issues. We were very much a U.S.-based, U.S.-focused uh, organization. And so it was a bit misleading to have international in our name. We also said under the old name that we were an organization of pharmacists when, in fact, we were an organization of all manner of pharmacy compounding professionals. And we heard from technicians. We heard from educators. We heard from supply chain professionals um, that they didn't, many didn't understand that there was a place for them in the organization because the name of the organization was pharmacist. And so many thought that that's the only folks who could be members. So in embracing this new name, uh, we, we also reversed this idea of compounding pharmacy, which sounds like a place, sounds like bricks and mortar, to talk about pharmacy compounding, which is a, a profession, an avocation, um, and, and, and so it, it really is broader in those terms. And so with the new name, we are hoping to reach out beyond um, compounding pharmacists. And they are absolutely our bread and butter. And we believe anyone in compounding ought to be a part of this organization, any pharmacist, but also uh, pharmacy technicians and educators at schools of pharmacy across the country, particularly those who are teaching compounding, have interest and background in compounding, certainly supply chain professionals. And then our ambition is to grow the organization to include uh, prescribers of uh, compounded preparations and even patients so that we create a movement that supports pharmacy compounding and its essential role in the American healthcare system. So that's really our vision um, that, that the new name is intended to, to, to sort of be the flag for. Um, with, that, with that change, I hope folks who um, are, are in the profession have seen a new energy from us, a new focus, certainly a new look. We've got a great new logo. We've got a new website. Um, I, I think the important thing to note, though, is that we also have a new strategic focus. Uh, the board of this organization, and the board is made up of pharmacy compounders, just like your listeners. They are folks from across the country whose day jobs uh, are working to serve patients and customers um, and who volunteer their time and intellect to this organization, and we're grateful uh, to them. PCCA has um, three folks on our board uh, right now, and we're grateful for, uh, for their leadership on the board. The board uh, last fall undertook to really redefine the focus of the organization. Um, our focus right now is on five things, five outcomes that we want APC uh, to be able to affect on behalf of the pharmacy compounding profession. The first one is access, uh, kind of a no-brainer. We exist to make sure that the products that our members prepare for patients uh, are affordable and accessible. And by doing that, frankly, we help our folks stay in business. 
uh, so that they can serve those patients. So that is a top priority for the organization, the continuation of, of access and affordability for compounded preparations. Another of our strategic ends is, is uh, advocacy. It is our core competency, our, our, our core purpose. There are a lot of organizations out there, trade associations, trade associations that do a lot of different things, and I admire those organizations. But APC is focused, if not solely, uh, then the overwhelming majority of our focus is on advocacy efforts, particularly at the federal level. We are looking to grow uh, our ability to um, influence legislation and regulation in states. But we are largely, at this point, um, a, a federal-focused organization. And so we work certainly with, with Congress, but FDA and DEA and uh, other federal uh, agencies uh, to try to affect policy, public policy, um, that promotes the ability of patients to, to have that access that I've talked about. Um, another of our, our priorities is knowledge. Uh, we want our members to know what they need to know to do their jobs well. And so we provide information services. We do that through some education, um, newsletters, policy briefs, uh, et cetera. It's interesting, though, because we are an advocacy organization, most of our education efforts paces that advocacy focus. Um, we don't do, we may do a little, but we don't do a lot of clinical type education. Most of the education that we do is somehow related uh, to the, 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 the public policy that we are trying to affect or have, in fact, affected. Uh, uh, so knowledge and information is an important one. Another focus is ethics, and it's an important focus right now. In the, in, in the wake of the, the NECC tragedy uh, in which um, a, a supposed compounder violated every law imaginable and people died, um, there has been since then a stain on this profession. Uh, we continue to hear it when we hear from FDA. Everybody and their brother wants to bring up NECC, when in fact those folks were egregiously violating the law. The overwhelming majority of PCCA uh, members and APC members are doing heroic work in their communities, and yet they they ha have the potential to be painted by this broad brush of uh, of, of unethical uh, behavior. So we are an organization that is working working to strengthen uh, our APC code of ethics uh, to require. Uh, that our members adhere to the code of ethics in order to continue their uh, membership, and an overall focus on ethical behavior that I think over the, the, the next 12 months or so, I hope, you're going to see more of a focus in terms of um, a, a consumer campaign, uh, consumer facing that focuses on the real good that pharmacy compounders provide uh, to patients uh, and in their communities. So that focus on ethics is important. Uh, and then a focus on community. Uh, our, our, our mission is not unlike that of PCCA. We want to build a community of professionals who can share ideas and who can learn from one another. And by bringing all those voices together, we also have credibility and influence to achieve the access priority that I mentioned and the advocacy uh, priorities that we have. So that strategic focus, those are the five things, access, advocacy, knowledge, ethics and community, 
really are helping redefine the organization. And so I hope you've seen the new energy and I hope you've seen a, that, that th those uh, outcomes, those ends uh, reflected in our uh, communication. As you guys can tell, I could, I could talk all day long about this, but that's uh, in not so much a nutshell uh, where we are and uh, where we're focused. I, I do appreciate the, 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 the detail, uh, especially as it pertains to the overall mission of the organization and discussing the profession and the core competencies that you have dedicated your time to, and especially with the renaming. I guess my next logical question would be, based on your advocacy efforts, uh, how has it been, given the fact that you do carry a different name, has there been a learning curve as well for legislators and for individuals within government uh, to get more accustomed as to who we were and, and who you guys are, are exactly? We took pains as we began to approach this idea of changing our name, and that began, the, the thinking about it at least began last July uh, or so. And as we went into the fall and the, the, the name change was approved, we created a plan uh, to try to figure out what, who are all the audiences that we need to tell about this name change. Certainly members of Congress uh, were uh, one of those uh, constituencies, but who are other stakeholders? Uh, certainly FDA and DEA and other groups like that, state pharmacy associations, uh, of course, the media. Um, so I, I feel like we did a reasonably good job with very limited resources. Um, that is a refrain that you'll hear from me again and again. We are a small association. Uh, we have four and a half staffers, budget of 1.2 million, uh, and we accomplished a lot uh, with a little. But we did outreach uh, through news releases, through personal letters. Members of Congress all got uh, a notification of this so that uh, as recently as March, when I'm on a phone call with FDA, uh, Director Gail Bormel, uh, as the uh, Cedar Director Gail Bormel, as the COVID uh, crisis begins to uh, em emerge, one of her first questions to me is, now you're the organization that used to be IACP, right? Yes, that's exactly who we are. Good. Our, our, our communication has worked. So with this sort of uptake and you're starting to see the turn, are you seeing that same sort of uptake and turn within our pharmacy membership? Are you seeing that uh, re-engagement? Are you, are you getting a similar sort of questions coming from our, our side, uh, the pharmacy side and the technician side? <sighs> I'm generalizing because we haven't done surveys or anything to, 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 to know yet if members understand and embrace uh, the, the, the name change. Uh, anecdotally, uh, we've heard a lot of good things, uh, just emails and comments at, at meetings and, and that sort of thing. We are seeing, though, some new membership growth. We've got challenges in terms of membership, but... Um, People who we've seen an uptick of followers on our social media, uh, on Twitter, but, but even more on Facebook, where people are utilizing our information services and have seen this reemergence. And some of those are paying off in new memberships, uh, pharmacists, technicians, uh, academicians, and, uh, and, and, and others. We've got more work to do there. So uh, it is uh, the month of May. Uh, we're four and a half months, I guess, into a new year. We have about 100 new members just since January. And so I've got to think that we're doing something right 
at a time when everybody says that the profession is contracting, uh, that we are drawing folks into the organization. On the other hand, um, we are having a difficult time, uh, particularly over the past three or four months, uh, getting existing members to renew their membership. And I've not heard a single person say to me, I'm not renewing my membership because I don't like the organization or I don't like where it's going. I think it is tough to get pharmacy compounders attention, particularly in this public health emergency that we're in where everybody is literally running around crazy trying to do everything they can to serve patients. Uh, it's hard to get folks' attention. So those renewals matter. And we, uh, we, we want people not only to join the organization, but we want them to stay with the organization. Again, we're, we're stronger together, our voice is louder uh, when we're together, but we've got a lot of work to do um, there to, to grow the pool of folks who ought to be our members, but we've also got to hang on to the folks that we currently have as members who through nothing I can, I, I, there, there are no indicators that say anybody's unhappy with the work that we're doing, this reemergence, they feel like we're a robust, aggressive organization. They're just so dang busy and other stuff right now that uh, uh, they, they don't have time to pay their dues. And we've got we've to figure out how to thread that needle a little better than we are. And, and so now this kind of brings up the, a very uh, apropos topic is where do you see your advocacy role positioned in light of this current pandemic crisis and do you see this as a, like because this is truly like we're already seeing the reliance on compounding we're seeing this innovation from compounders this very fast adaptability um and so where do you see the kind of this this role evolving currently because i think that this could actually be a, a and this is actually a, a, a kind of a, a linchpin to the discussion well, the, the, the public health emergency that we're in is a good opportunity to demonstrate what pharmacy compounding is and can be, not only in crisis, but particularly in this crisis. So as we begin to hear back early in the year of this virus, um, we get to March, uh, it's coming to the U.S., ATC uh, began to think uh, about to anticipate what were the implications going to be. And one of the first things that came to our minds was shortages. Shortages not only of certain over-the-counter uh, items, think hand sanitizer, but others as well, uh, but also potential shortages of medications, drugs that would be needed to treat uh, the patients who came down with the, the virus. And we began then as early as mid-March writing to FDA, pleading with FDA to anticipate uh, some of these issues that were coming. I am, you know, our relationship with FDA, uh, I, we don't always agree, but I do admire the way that they have taken seriously our communication and our concern and our suggestions during this crisis and have responded. Have they responded as, as quickly as we would like them to respond? No, but they have been responsive. In mid-March, we joined, uh, recruited, in fact, uh, NCPA and APHA and NASPA, uh, the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, to join with us in communication to FDA, urging them to anticipate these items that were going to go into shortage. Um, APC on its own had 
uh, a couple of other communications with FDA urging the same thing. And within a week or two, suddenly we've got hand sanitizer shortages. Um, and because of our input, FDA uh, provides uh, temporary guidance uh, for compounders that would allow the compounding of hand sanitizer uh, using certain formulas um, to help meet the shortage. Well, problem was um, FDA required in those guidances the use of ingredients that were also in shortage. So they very quickly uh, issued a different guidance that didn't relate to compounding, that related to manufacturing firms, allowing those manufacturing firms to create hand sanitizer using food grade alcohol that they weren't allowing pharmacy compounders to utilize. And so there's kind of a double standard. They're holding pharmacy compounders, uh, they're requiring pharmacy compounders to use USP grade alcohol, and yet your local distillery or perfumery can use food grade alcohol. We quickly got back with FDA, uh, alerted them to the problem they had created, uh, and they subsequently released uh, uh, revised guidance to uh, correct that. About the same time, we're also working with them to talk about shortages that are bigger than hand sanitizer. And, and by the way, hand, the hand sanitizer issue, um, pharmacy compounders uh, have done marvelous work across the country uh, on this issue. And PCCA worked with us and NCPA on a campaign called the, 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 the Compounding Handoff, where we've been posting on social media pictures of pharmacists in communities across this country uh, providing uh, hand sanitizer to first responders. Uh, nurses, doctors, but also EMT, uh, police departments, uh, et cetera. And it's just been a marvelous campaign. And I, I have to give credit to PCACA for their leadership in, uh, in, in that effort. I think pharmacy compounding has made a name for itself in many quarters because of our ability to do that. And again, once the FDA got the guidance straight and revised the initial guidance where we could use uh, different ingredients that were more readily available, um, compounders were able to step up and, and, and do that. At the same time, we're turning our sights to uh, medication drug, drug shortages. Um, we uh, wrote again to FDA uh, about those shortages and urged them to move quickly. At the same time, there was a merging in the state of Georgia by necessity, uh, a, a process um, that the folks down there were calling RX Look Back. Uh, and it was a process that brought together health systems in the state, the Board of Pharmacy, the Georgia Drugs and Narcotics Agency, and compounders to create a process through which health systems could source some of the shortage drugs used for COVID patients uh, who, who were on ventilator, et, et cetera. Um, RX Look Back is basically a scenario uh, that the regulators signed off on and compounders in that state were then able to provide medications um, to uh, at least a couple of health systems there, Piedmont and uh, Phoebe Putney down in South Georgia. Um, with this RX Look Back, where within seven days, uh, the hospital had to provide patient names and information back to the compounders. Um, FDA took an interest in that. We brought it to their attention. Uh, we were engaged both in the, the formulation of the Georgia approach and in making FDA aware of it. 
And it, it's one of, I think it's one of the first times in recent memory anyway, that FDA did exactly what we asked them to do. And so on April 20th, they released a guidance that would allow 503A pharmacies under certain very strict guidelines that must be adhered to provide uh, COVID shortage drugs. Certain, it's a list of drugs. It was 13. They added two more over the week, over this past weekend. So it's now 15 drugs that are in the appendix on that got temporary guidance um, to hospitals. And so compounders, uh, other states have begun to uh, adopt that approach. We uh, partnered with NASPA uh, to create a set of recommended guidelines for state boards of pharmacy. Our concern was, okay, FDA is going to allow this. This is great. They've done exactly what we asked. And then it gets to the state level, and the state has the, the state board of pharmacy has no infrastructure in place for overseeing it. So we provided guidelines to each state board of pharmacy. We shared them with NABP uh, as well um, that would really help try to create the framework for them so they wouldn't have to do a lot of work in terms of what the process would be. The guidance requires a 503A to have the explicit permission uh, of the Board of Pharmacy. There are um, some stipulations both for the 503A compounder and for the health system uh, to, to have Board of Pharmacy approval uh, of that process. And so those guidelines helped, um, helped uh, make sure that states had a, a framework to, to look to if they wanted to, uh, to use it. Um, we also created um, sort of a mixed bag, I guess, uh, in terms of the results of this. We created something that we call the, the, the compounder shortage drug source for hospitals, where 503Bs and 503As would share with us which of the drugs in, on, the, on the shortage list in the temporary guidance um, they could prepare. And then we allowed hospitals, uh, we created a framework where hospitals could go in there and look for the the, the drugs, if there's something that they needed, and they would know then where to source them. Uh, and we've had some uptake on that. It has not been as robust as we would uh, have expected it uh, to be, uh, but that's another way that um, um, APC stepped up and tried to create a resource for connecting compounders and hospitals. Those are, those are, that's the majority of the work we've done. So that's, uh, I guess, a not so short uh, summary of our efforts. Um, we are we, we have been involved in making sure pharmacy compounders abilities were known to regulators and could be utilized during this uh, this emergency. Well, that that kind of a, almost sets up a couple of other comments, which I kind of have to point to is number one, advocacy actually works. And, and the success that you've had just with the FDA recently is, is enormous. And I think that building upon that success is, is kind of falling in line with your five goals. So it, bravo to the entire organization for achieving that. Um, what, and, and I got to ask, what do you see as being the next step with the FDA with respect to this pandemic and health crisis and, and, and like there's, there's some more opportunities for engagement and positives coming out what what's on the what's on the front burner of the stove so to speak well the the other shoe that needs to drop is probably a post-covid shoe I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors terribly there sorry um 
When, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's okay. Front burners, <laughs> strategies, shoes yeah, dropping. Yeah, whatever. Keep uh, going. When, when, when FDA issued temporary guidance allowing 503As to source to hospitals, um, that was something that we very much thought they should do. We would like for FDA to consider that as a possible path for the memorandum of understanding with states that they are preparing so that at a time when 503Bs cannot provide certain medications for office use, there would be a pathway within some very tight guardrails in which 503As could meet those needs. And so one of our efforts as we come out of COVID, and heaven knows when are we going to come out of COVID, but, but one of the things that we will, will want to work with FDA on is creating a path that works. So I think the important point to listeners right now is FDA has demonstrated a great amount of trust in pharmacy compounders, 503A uh, compounders. Um, and we need to get it right so that we have a case to make about that very narrow path for providing office use when 503Bs cannot meet the need. It's a very real-world circumstance that FDA, prior to the COVID crisis, didn't seem to recognize. Um, they seemed to be under the mindset that they had created a framework under which 503Bs could meet every need. And we got a lot of 503Bs that are our members and uh, I'm, I'm glad they are, but there are certain situations where they are unable quickly enough or affordably enough to provide those medications. And so there needs to be that narrow path. So that's, that's really one of the next steps. We have another uh, uh, or several other priorities that if we can get past um, this public health emergency, um, we want to be able to work on. We've got an animal use compounding GFI. We um, are talking with a number of partners about legislation on dietary supplements. So those are really the big picture issues as the year progresses. <laughs> if in fact um, there's there's breathing room for other issues in 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 a post COVID world. That is that is such a good explanation of what we have to do because I, I think that this is one of the things that a lot of pharmacists still have to maintain in the forefront of their and pharmacies, not pharmacists, but pharmacies, is we have to continue doing this right. And having such a great advocacy group and then being able to hold up our our successes are going to be instrumental to continuing the conversation. So I know Mike has a couple of questions for you, so I, I don't want to hog the mic. So I'm going to pass it back to Mike on this one. No problem. Um, and, and Scott, like, I, I think that was an amazing overview, especially for those that have thought of, you know, potentially joining the organization, having more involvement from an advocacy point of view. I, I know Educon this year was something that was supposed to happen live in the month of April, and that was going to be a really big opportunity to to have a, a live event in conjunction with uh, the Infusion Association. And unfortunately, that never came to pass and it was a virtual conference in place. But moving forward, what, what message do you have to compounders that are not potentially APC members and want to get more involved? And what does 2021 look like for them, pending the fact that, you know, there is potential live events, there is an opportunity to be on Capitol Hill one more time and, and what message do you have for them and the future of the organization? 
Thank you. You teed that 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 question up just perfectly because I, I do have some thoughts. Um, this has been an interesting year. It's an interesting year in that because of this public health emergency, a number of opportunities for compounders to come together have been canceled. Uh, NCPA is, did not do its fly-in this year. Uh, PCCA, unfortunately, did not, was not able to do its fly-in. We always support that. As we looked to 2020, before we knew what COVID-19 was, APC decided we wanted to provide compounders a couple of bites at the apple each year in terms of interacting face-to-face -face with their member of Congress. So we moved our fly-in. It was previously clustered right there with PCCA and NCPA uh, in the spring. We moved it to September. So we are still planning at this point to have compounders on Capitol Hill in a much shortened, more affordable, and we believe more effective format, September 9th and 10th. It is right after Labor Day, uh, a Wednesday and Thursday, and compounders should be able to fly in on Wednesday by noon. Uh, we'll orient them that afternoon. We'll have a nice event that night with uh, a lot of our corporate sponsors. Uh, and then the next day, set them loose on Capitol Hill to meet with members of Congress and talk about a number of these issues. It will be the main opportunity for farmers to uh, for, for pharmacists to come together in uh, Washington this year. I don't know of another group that's pulling compounders together for that purpose. And so I urge everybody to, uh, to please join us. Um, the more folks we have, the louder our voice, the better impression uh, that we can make. And it's not a time of year when there are as many fly-ins. It's, it's late in the legislative uh, cycle, uh, but we believe it is a good opportunity to talk about all the things that we've accomplished uh, for communities across this country during um, this uh, this COVID-19 crisis. And I think legislators are going to be willing uh, to, to listen. So we believe only good can come from uh, both the timing uh, and, the, and the fact that we aim to host that event. Uh, so I urge folks to come to that. Um, I, I, I do think combat pounders I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but I believe they have an obligation to be a part of the professional organization that represents their industry, their profession. And that really is us. We have a number of great partners. PCCA would be at or near the top of the list of those partners. We have NCPA. We have APHA. Uh, an awful lot of folks working with us. But we are the one entity that brings together different disparate voices and competitors and, and can unify this entire profession. And we need more compounders to be a member of the organization. We are launching uh, this afternoon, in fact, um, a, a recruitment drive where uh, if someone uses uh, uh, the renewal code that we'll be sending out, they get $25 off their dues. But I would urge folks to join the organization. If I can't convince you that it's a good investment based on what we've already talked about, I don't know that I would ever be able to um, to, to persuade you, but uh, we give our members a real return on their dues investment. And uh, we, uh, we, we take pride in the work we do because we're so proud of those compounders out there and the way they serve patients and communities. I think you said it best when you reviewed the statement of, you know, we're in a very unfortunate time but it is an opportunity for the compounding profession to stand apart and 
I would like to thank APC for what they've done, not only for the compounding handoff challenge and how we've worked together with that in regards to getting hand sanitizer products out to first line responders, but more or less, especially the, the items of shortage as it pertains to hospital requirements and, and the demand on their end. So I, I can't thank you enough for those two major initiatives because it has put the profession of compounding in the spotlight in a very positive spotlight. Um, and I think that's what is so monumental for, for us right now and especially for us moving forward as a group of individuals that, that focus on compounding pharmacies. So Scott, I think your role in the last year and a half has probably evolved really quickly. Uh, this is not something that's been on anyone's radar, specifically on yours. And I, I do commend you for the work that you've done in a very short amount of time, uh, given the fact that we are in an unprecedented environment. And I think that word has probably been extremely overused in the last few months. But nevertheless, uh, as it pertains to you overseeing an organization as a chief executive officer, I, I do commend you for the work that you've done. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. We, um, we think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good still to do out there. We, we sort of adopted a, a, it's a slogan, I guess, but, uh, it's a, it's just pertinent one. Um, I would say to compounders, you take care of your patients. Let APC, uh, take care of your compounding practice. That's what we, uh, that's what we exist to do. And we're working really, uh, really hard at it. Uh, as I've said, we appreciate so much our partnership with PCCA, um, Jim and Lizzie and Amy and so many others. Uh, are just marvelous to uh, to work with, and I frankly don't know that we would be as effective as we are uh, without you. Uh, I would not want to uh, con consider a a landscape without a partner like PCCA. Uh, so thank you for that. Well, we appreciate that as well, and I know um, Amy is somebody that you work very closely with, as as Lizzie and Jim and, and EJ and Aaron, um, as being board members. It's it's definitely a privilege of theirs to to work so closely with the organization. I know it's. You've been around for a long time. APC is a new name, as we said in the beginning, but IACP has been around for a very long time, and it's always fallen very near and dear to us in terms of the importance of what it represents as uh, a national, uh, I guess you could say national and world, as it pertains to everybody that, that, that touches compounds as a, as a profession. So uh, once again, thank you. And most importantly, thanks for jumping onto the podcast. I know not the easiest of times. I, I did see you in our Las Vegas event, and I thought you would have made one of the best guests we could have asked for. And uh, I'm happy that you, you looked at the opportunity of sitting down with us today remotely, and I appreciate you joining us. Well, I'm grateful. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Seb, any, any last words for Scott? Uh, not so much for Scott, but for all of our listeners and anyone who's, who, who's thinking I mean, I'm not even close to being on the fence. Again, Scott mentioned that they're launching it today, but any time to join and be part of the advocacy world, uh, be a member, become involved. Uh, our our future depends upon organizations that that promote and protect compounding. So, just really want to to stress like membership is going to be key in making sure that we continue to move forward as a community. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks again, Scott, for joining us. But more, most importantly, thank you to all of our listeners out there for tuning into this very special episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. We'd like to encourage all of you to look up Alliance of Pharmacy Compounding and their new designed website. So, Scott, what is the direct URL to make sure that those that are interested in membership can, can revisit the new branding and imagery that you would have online? 
Sure. Uh, it, it is a4pc.org, and the four is a number. So a, the number four, pc.org. On the website, you'll see a number of tabs, including one that says join or renew. Uh, pay attention to those. We walk through the, 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 the variety of returns on your dues investment we can provide. There's also an advocacy tab that includes information about Compounders on Capitol Hill, which I mentioned, but also you'll find policy briefs on the range of issues that we are working on right now. And I think you may find those uh, instructive. Thank you so much for clarifying that because the last thing I wanted to do is provide them to a, um, an incorrect website. So I do, I do appreciate <laughs> you, you reviewing that URL. It, it is so important. And if you are interested regarding membership and we discussed it a few times in the podcast, please visit the website and then a member of their team will be in contact with you as soon as possible. And for more information uh, regarding PCCA related matters and for COVID-19 resources, we highly encourage you to visit our public site at www.pccarx.com and you will see our COVID-19 resource page, which has been revamped and reviewed and constantly updated. So I constantly remind everyone to, to, to definitely visit there if you are looking for more information uh, and assistance throughout this pandemic and also guidelines uh, as we work together with APC. But once again, thanks again to all of our listeners out there and for those of you that follow us on social media and do not, we ask that you please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and obviously subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again to all of our listeners. We'll talk to you soon.